Welcome to the Voyage Sphere podcast. I'm your host, Connor Greenwall. Today we will be covering long-distance relationships, tequila tasting, and yak burgers. To start off, I wanted to address the uh, the name of the podcast because uh, previous two episodes I had uh, had the podcast under the the synonym of thirty three degrees north, one hundred and twelve degrees west, and I feel like that just wasn't the the best name for the podcast. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Um, so alongside the um, Voyage Sphere website, I've been working on getting up. I decided to go ahead and ch- go with that name for the podcast as well. Um, so just if there's any confusion on that end, uh, but another change we're making today is every episode we're going to do tequila tasting. Uh, so today we have the uh, uh, Milagro uh, Reposado. It's a 100% blue agave aged for four months in an oak barrel. It's a bright golden straw color with a blue hue and um, it smells like caramel and vanilla with a hint of spices. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and try this? Yeah, let's do it. You could definitely taste that caramel in there, and there's also a hint of like a peach and a black pepper taste to it. Yeah, I, I can see that. I definitely can sense the caramel for sure, and the peach too. So, what would you rate this out of ten? Um, you know, I I'd give it like a good eight and a half. Yeah, I don't really drink a ton, but you know, never a, never a bad time with tequila. <laughs> that is true. I'd give it probably about a seven and a half. I've definitely had yeah. better, but it's not bad at all. I yeah. definitely recommend this to someone. Okay. Yeah. Same. I'll have to see what my, my wife thinks about it for sure. She would definitely know a lot more than me. Speaking of your wife, you have a, you have a pretty interesting story with how you guys met. Yeah, we do. Um, definitely like one that you, you know, you think would come from a movie. About six and a half years ago, I want to say now, um, just to, you know, like a American kid on a vacation with uh, actually my dad in Mexico. I was traveling in Mexico and uh, we were heading to the beach. We were in Guadalajara and we were going to head to uh, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, yeah, kind of a funny story, but um, at the time I actually didn't speak much Spanish. It was pretty like, you know, I'd say at like, you know, high school level. So just a lot of you know, like, hola, como estas, donde está el baño, kind of, kind of Spanish. Not, not too good, but can kind of get you to where you need to go in Mexico with people making fun of you, of course. Uh, but anyways, um, I was sitting at a bus station uh, waiting for our bus, and I see this girl sitting across from me, actually, and I, I just, like, the first thing out of my mind was, like, wow, she's, she's beautiful. I want to try to talk to her, but that's going to be probably one of the hardest and probably one of the most nerve wracking things all you know, I've ever done. So I, I ended up giving it a try. Um, I went up to her and tried to talk to her in Spanish and immediately got super red. It was just super embarrassing. And she, you know, she tried to understand me and I didn't really know if she did understand me. So I ended up taking my phone out and we ended up talking for um, a good hour. I want to say, uh, thanks to Google Translate, we were able to, you know, make conversation <laughs> and understand each other. And, um, yeah, anyways, um, at, uh, by the time she had left, she had taken a, a bus back to her to her home, and I ended up going to Wild Harbor. She gave me her number, and um, we sent messages for 
six months off and on, and um, you know, once in a while, what that was kind of, that's was kind of started me to like motivate to to speak Spanish because my Spanish was terrible at the time, and I wanted to make it as easy as possible to talk to her and to communicate with her because I really liked her. Um, so I tried practicing Spanish every single day, and it got better. Uh, but you know, the best way to learn a language is to spend time in the country, of course. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we, we talked on and off for a good six months. We both knew that we liked each other, but we didn't really know if we were going to make long distance work. Um, but we decided to make it work, and here we are today. Uh, we just got married in March, and she's up here in the U.S. with me. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite the story for sure. <laughs> good old Google Translate, always saving the day. Uh, it definitely comes in handy. Uh whenever i'm in mexico uh just like you when you started going down to mexico i spoke very uh limited spanish as well but that, that's a really co cool story and how you just um saw her at the bus stop and just knew to talk to her and um it's crazy where you are now just because you made that one decision to to approach a girl it is you know and i i think about it a lot too just you know like just something so small like that you know how much it can really impact your life you know, if I, I think it's definitely shaped me to who I am today. And, you know, it's made me want to just do things that make me feel uncomfortable, essentially. Uh, so before you had um, met Damaris, how long had you been uh, traveling, especially to like Mexico? Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. It's been, it's been so it's been a while, but um I didn't actually leave the country for the first time until I was, well, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's pretty young for uh, some people, but I went, my first country outside of the U.S. wasn't Canada or Mexico. It was actually uh, Thailand. I want to say back in 20, 2010, maybe? I think I was like in elementary school, but it was um, definitely a culture shock for me. And I actually am half, half Thai, um, so I'm pretty familiar with the culture. And I went with my dad. My mom actually, my mom's Thai slash Laotian, and... Um, she actually hasn't been back to Asia since she left, since she came to the U.S. But my dad's a huge traveler, so I ended up going with him. And that was a huge uh, culture shock for me. Uh, at first, it was, you know, like just leaving your, your comforts at home and just seeing everything be completely different. I, I didn't really know what to think about it, but, you know, leaving the trip, going back home, it made me really want to explore more of the world. And how many countries have you been to now? Um, you know, I haven't been to, to too many. I can, I can give you, I've, I've been to a decent amount of places in Southeast Asia. Um, you know, of course, Mexico, I've been in Mexico over like, I think 52 times now. So pretty, yeah, that's pretty decent amount, <laughs> amount of times. Yeah. Um, but that's just one country. Of course, I've been to Colombia once in South America. I actually went in 2019, um, right before, like right before the pandemic. And, uh, yeah, I just got back from Nepal. I want to say... I want to say it's under 20 countries right now, but I think that's definitely going to change next year. That definitely beats me, but uh, I, I'm not too far behind. Yeah, I'm, uh, I only started traveling in um, 2021, actually. Okay. Um, I went to, have you ever heard of the town of Porto, Porto Penasco? Yeah, is that, is that northern Mexico? Yeah, so it's um, it's a beach town about four hours from Phoenix. It's right on the, the northeast side of uh, Mar de Cortez in uh, okay. Sonora. Um, and it's a very popular vacation spot because it's the closest beach to Phoenix because it's about five hours right. to San Diego. You know, it's about I think, four and a half to 
Fort Penasco. I think I know that area. I've I've actually crossed that border there one time from um, pretty close from Yuma. I think it was called like Nogales or something like that. Um, yeah, there there long there's time ago. a few main border towns down here. The the border town to get to Puerto Penasco is actually Sonoya. Um, and okay. you take Highway 1, I believe, uh, from Sonoya down to uh, Puerto Penasco. But uh, my aunt and uncle, they go down there about twice a year. And um, I was 19 at the time. And uh, my aunt, who was turning 40, they were having a big birthday party for her uh, in Puerto Penasco. And they rented this mansion. Um, and I, I got my passport and I was able to go with them. But um, that was the first time I really um, experienced uh, a different culture like that. Because when I was um, when I was like six months old or whatever, my my grandma took me to Tijuana. But besides that, that was my first experience leaving the country. So um, when I had some vacation time later that same summer, um, because I was uh, leaving one job and I I worked it out so that before I started my next job, I had about a two week vacation time. And I ended up booking a, uh, a flight to Cabo. Uh, and I spent about a week and a half down there. When I was down there, I ended up going to CDMX as well. But nice. ever since then, I've just been kind of trying to travel as much as I can. Um, I've been to, um, of course, Mexico, but I've also been to um, Great Britain, France, and Italy now. And I'm going to uh, Colombia in April, and I'm going to Spain. Oh, you are. We're going in. Uh, we're going in May, actually, to Colombia. Oh yeah. What? What part well, of Colombia? So I I booked a ticket to Bogota um, for May. It's so it, actually pretty funny. I don't think you know this, but I actually go to ASU online. Oh, do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a senior. I I um, I do their online schooling, and I've, I've been doing it for four years now, off and on while traveling. That's the great thing of doing school online is you're able to go. You're able to go to these other places. Um, but I got one more semester left and I'll be graduating in spring. We'll probably go down to the campus for my graduation. And then after that, um, I'm gonna, hopefully Dimers has a green card, but I booked the tickets anyways by then. But uh, yeah, we're flying to uh, Bogota and we're planning on hopefully seeing most of South America and Central America. Oh, that will be awesome. I'm just going yeah. for, uh, for four days in April, but um... I didn't know you'd go to ASU. That's really cool. I'm actually starting there in the spring uh, with a uh, for a major in journalism. Oh, awesome! Awesome. I'm going to Colombia in April, uh, but then this summer I'm going to uh, Spain, Portugal, Andorra, and uh, Morocco. So it'll be a lot of fun. But my goal is 100 countries by 2030. Yeah, you know what? I think you can make that happen for sure. That's I a that's so. a great goal to have. Um. So out of the places you've been, besides Mexico, of course, what would you say is your favorite? Ooh. Because um, I feel like Mexico is too easy of an answer. Yeah, Mexico, yeah, definitely, yeah. Mexico's going to always be number one in my heart. But, you know, I've, I've made a lot of other memories in other places. Um, Cap or Nepal was, was a beautiful country, and I want to see more of it. You know, I spent over three weeks there, and I felt like that still wasn't enough, so I could definitely spend more time there. Um, I really liked Colombia, actually. The people were really nice. Um, I was surprised with how clean the cities were, too. The food was a little of a letdown for me, because, you know, I'm, I'm used to, I'm spoiled with Mexican food, and it's hard to, you know, hard to compare, compare anything to Mexican food. Um, but yeah, one, inch, one country that's always drawn my attention that I've, I've been really wanting to go to 
and I'm hopefully hopefully we're going next year um, is Brazil. I've wanted to go to Brazil for the longest time. So I want to take Darmes to um, Rio de Janeiro. That's a place that I've been wanting to go since I was a kid. So hopefully we can make that work next year. That sounds like a lot of fun. I've heard I've heard really good things about Brazil. I have a lot of friends that have been down there. Um, but going back, you had said uh, you had mentioned just mentioned Nepal. Um, you you had mentioned that you had had some yak burgers there. Yeah. So um, we spent a couple of days to kind of you know acclimate in Kathmandu, and um, before we headed to the trek, we well we flew to Lukla. That's kind of where you start the trek if you want to go to Everest Base Camp, or even if you want to climb. Mount Everest, you either take a small um, sea otter, I think it's called like the sea otter, it's like a, oh no, it's, it's called the twin otter plane. You can either take that from Kathmandu to Lukla, or you can take a helicopter. We ended up um, helicoptering into Lukla. It's a very cool airport, it's a really cool airport if you look it up. Um, I want to say it's considered one of the most dangerous airports in the world, actually the Lukla airport, or it's called the um, the Henzing, or the Tenzing Hillary Airport, based off the, the first climbers to climb Everest. Um, but yeah, in Lukla, I had my first, um, first yak burger, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> what does that taste like? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not like, it's definitely not like, um, like a burger in the U.S., that's for sure. Very, very interesting texture. The, the thing about yaks is, uh, yaks are really highly respected animals in Nepal. That's what my dad told me. Anyways, I, apparently they don't actually kill the yaks. They wait for them to die, so I don't really know exactly how fresh the meat the meat is, but it almost tastes like it's a impossible burger. If that makes sense, just you know, it doesn't even taste like meat at the same time. It's really interesting. It has like that that um, that interesting texture to it. Yeah, like an impossible burger. For sure, and it, w- it wasn't bad. You know, I would eat one again if I was offered it, but it probably wouldn't be my first choice. You wouldn't like seek it out. Yeah, no, no, I'd probably go for. I mean, chicken fried steak or something like that, you know? So out of all the food you've gotten to try while traveling, what has been your favorite dish? Uh, favorite dish? Oh, man. Um, there's so many different you know, dishes around the world. Um, I think in Mexico, my, my go-to dish is a good torta. Uh, Guadalajara is known to have like these really good torta ahogadas, which means like a, basically like a drowned torta, which is like a sandwich. Um, it's amazing, and you can't really find it anywhere in the U.S. Um, so that's something that we usually get. To, it's usually something that we eat when we get to Guadalajara. Um, it's a good torta. Um, also, Thai food too. I, you know, I grew up eating Thai food, and my my mom and my grandma make amazing Thai food. So, um, can never say no to a good like pot Thai or tum yum or pad siu. Have you ever tried um, molletes? Uh, molletes? Uh, I have not actually. That's that's always my go-to food when I'm in Mexico. I tried them for the first time uh, in Cabo, but what it is is it's a uh, it's a Mexican sweetbread uh, a pan, and it has um, huevos, frijoles, chorizo, a queso, and it's amazing. It's honestly the best thing I've ever eaten. How many times have you uh, have you been to Cabo? Um, I've been to Cabo twice. Um, I've also been to so I've been to Puerto Peñasco about three or four times. Nice. I've been to uh, Tijuana, uh, Los Cabos, 
uh, Guadalajara and um, CDMX. CDMX was definitely my favorite. That's such an amazing city. I can't get enough of that place. It is, yeah. We're actually going to be, um, before we fly to Bogota, we've got a day and a half in Mexico City, so we're planning on seeing more of the city. I've been there about four or five times, uh, but Darmus has been there, I think, once or twice just for her for, for her visa, so she wasn't able to see much of it. Um, yeah, next time you're down there, I definitely recommend checking out the Teotihuacan uh, pyramids. They're amazing. I haven't had a chance to see those yet. I was actually supposed to be there this week um but tickets are just too expensive because the uh, the arizona cardinals are playing tonight in uh at estadio azteca um so i was supposed oh, wow. to go down for that game but um as soon as the they announced it ticket prices skyrocketed for just airfare so i wasn't able to make that work but um th- my favorite place down there that i've been is obviously the the plaza de la constitucion um, mm-hmm. where you have uh, the Grand Hotel, the Presidential Palace, uh, the, the ruins, the Metropolitan Cathedral, that's, that whole area is amazing. Um, have you been to the Plaza de la Constitución? I have, yeah. It's, it's been a while since, to, since I've spent time there, but it is a really beautiful part of Mexico City. The city itself is really surprising, I think, to a lot of people. I think uh, for people here, when I talk about Mexico City, they, they consider it, you know, like, oh, dangerous, you know, but... Just like any big city, there's going to be crime. Uh, but to me, it's, you know, I've never had any issue there. And it's such a beautiful city to explore. It's huge, of course. Unfortunately, that seems to be the perspective of a lot of places outside of the United States is, oh, it's dangerous. It, you shouldn't go there because of the crime. Uh, but I definitely would feel way more uncomfortable in some of these cities here in the U.S. than I would in, in Mexico City or Medellin or any of the other places that... Um, nuanced tourist uh, nuanced tourists would consider dangerous 100 percent. i'm <laughs> that's why i don't go out to portland that much unfortunately yeah portland's definitely something yeah it, it is you know and it's it's pretty sad because it once was a beautiful city um but it's definitely changed in the last last couple of years uh, i've taken diamonds a couple times but we always gotta, gotta we always have to kind of watch our backs when we go there yeah uh, so where do you, uh, I know you're going to South America, um, this, uh, next year, but what is like your dream destination? Where do you uh, absolutely want to plan a trip to? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely like South America. And then I definitely, I think for me, most importantly, I think I want to take Darmish to places that I've been to or like just show her other parts of the world, you know, outside of you know, North and South America. I want to take her to Southeast Asia. Uh, most definitely, and she's always wanted to go to Europe too, so I want to make that happen. Um, I actually was going to go this uh, this March to I had a round trip ticket to Barcelona, and I ended up canceling it for a good reason because um, you know I got my wife to the U.S. and that was you know, definitely more important. But I'm hoping that this next time I can take her with me. So that's definitely going to be in, in queue. Yeah, that definitely sounds a uh, a bit more important than going to Bar- Barcelona. Yeah, so I think when it, oh, I think when it comes to traveling, um, you know, there's, there's a point where you want to try so many different things and you want to, you know, explore and just, you know, learn more about cultures. So I think, you know, I think a part of that is just trying new foods and just things that people offer you at home. But at the same time, you know, being a foreigner, you got to be careful with what you eat because I'm sure, you know, you as a traveler too have experienced 
you know, days where you're not feeling so great and you end up getting, getting pretty sick from, from foods. <laughs> yeah, you'd always have to be careful because you never know you never know what you're going to encounter, and especially in, in a place where you don't speak the language, you don't know anybody, the closest person you know is probably multiple hundreds or thousands of miles away. Um, and, and it can lead to some pretty interesting situations. What, what would you say is your craziest encounter you've had while uh, out of the country? Yeah, um, well, one that really sticks to me is, um, it's kind of a funny one and a miserable one, but I want to go back is, um, it was about six, no, about eight years ago, actually. Um, I was in Thailand with my dad and we ended up taking a last minute trip to go down to Cambodia. And, uh, we were in Cambodia for, I want to say five, six days. And, um, it's pretty, it's not that far of a, a trip from Thailand. You can just take, it's a full day trip essentially, but we ended up taking a bus across the border and then, um, we spent time. Um, I forgot what the city's name was, but um, very close to one of the, it's one, considered one of the wonders of the world, um, Angkor Wat. Yeah. Incredibly beautiful temple. Um, the people there are amazing. But I ended up spending the day there um, exploring like the, the temples, and it, it was amazing. I want to go back and take the Amaris. Um, but actually, you know, at the temple, there was a ton of monkeys, and one of them, um, I carried a backpack with me because I had a, just a date back and I had some snacks in it. Uh, when I uh, was taking pictures, a monkey literally jumped on my back and I had an apple in my backpack and it stole the apple from my backpack and took it. That was, that was a pretty funny one. And uh, they're pretty cute animals, but you got to watch out because they are pretty aggressive. That's, that's for sure. Can't say I've really encountered monkeys outside of like a zoo setting, but that, that sounds yeah. amazing. It is, yeah. I mean, even Nepal too. There's kind of there's places like uh, there's a monkey temple right in Kathmandu, and it's you walk around and you know these you don't really see squirrels in Kathmandu. Instead of squirrels, you see the monkeys, and they're kind of everywhere, and they will try to steal like your stuff. So you got to kind of watch out. I had one on this last trip uh, steal my water bottle while I was taking pictures, and it, they're really smart actually. It opened the water bottle and took water out of it. Oh, that's like cool. a human. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that going back to that trip in, uh, in Cambodia, um, that same day, me and my dad went out and got some dinner and I found like a menu item I had never really seen like in the U S or any other country, but, um, one place that looked a little sketchy, but you know, there were some tourists eating there. So I figured it'd be okay. Um, I ended up ordering a crocodile burger in, um, in Cambodia crocodile burger. Crocodile burger, and I don't really know how to explain it. It wasn't that good. the The texture was very, very chewy. It's something that you definitely wouldn't see. I don't think in the in the U.S. That's for sure. But uh, it gave me probably some of the worst food poisoning I've ever had in my entire life. I, no joke, was in bed for three or four days, and and uh, yeah, so. Uh, Cambodia is kind of, it's a lot like Thailand. Obviously the climate's very hot and very humid, kind of like how you were explaining um, where you, you were at with, you know, intense humidity. Um, it was the exact same kind of setting, um, but I was so sick. I felt like I was freezing. So I had like three layers on, I had a huge puff jacket on and I was in bed for like three days, just, just being miserable. And that was a very interesting experience, but it comes with the travel and it, you know, travel still makes it worth it, right? So... <laughs> Humidity is 
very difficult to deal with, especially for me, uh, living in Arizona most of my life. But that um, that city you're referring to with the humidity, that was um, that was Rome. And my uh, my listeners actually haven't really gotten to hear about my uh, my Europe trip from this last summer. Um, so I, I was able to go to Europe for the first time this summer. And um, uh, the reason I ended up booking that trip, you're never going to guess why. I want to I want to see if you could try to guess. Was it to meet someone? Kind of. Uh, I think it's kind a bit of, better yeah. than that. I went to okay. Paris for a Green Day concert. Oh, Green Day concert. Nice. Yeah, so I, uh, I booked that, uh, a flight to Paris that would have me in town for the Green Day concert. And I was supposed to leave on uh, June 30th and fly into Charles de Gaulle. But um, I woke up that morning and literally like seven minutes before I woke up, I had gotten a text from the airline that my flight had been canceled because the firefighters at the Paris airport went on strike. Uh, so I had been planning this trip for like eight months, and all no of a sudden, way. everything had gone, everything had gone perfectly up until literally seven minutes before my alarm went off. Um, so I'm I'm scrambling, calling the airline, trying to figure out what to do, and I um, I get a hold of the airline, and they are able to book me uh, a flight to London the following day. Uh, so then that would put me in the position where I was going to be uh, in London about eight hours before the concert starts. Um, and I was started looking at ways to get from London, uh, from London to Paris and none of the options seemed great because the Eurostar, the, the train that goes under the channel was sold out. So what I thought I was going to have to do was, uh, take a train to Dover and take the ferry across the channel and make it to the concert barely on time. Um, but luckily when I was, uh, on the plane, a family member just happened to be checking uh, the Eurostar website and a ticket opened up. So I was able to make it to the concert just fine. Um, but the the entire trip to Europe, uh, the biggest problem was, one, I happened to go the busiest week of the entire year, which I wish I had known. Uh, but two, the entire travel infrastructure was starting to collapse. I don't know if you saw on the news or TikTok this last summer, uh, all these people complaining about like the baggage claim system. Did you see any of that? Right, I did. I did see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what a luck- nightmare. luckily, I didn't deal with that. But the entire travel infrastructure was just collapsing in on itself in Europe, and in very European fashion, I encountered like six or seven different strikes that interfered with my travel plans. Um, the worst of which was I was at this uh, pub in Rome till like two or three in the morning um and what i didn't know was that uh all the taxis in the country were going to go on strike at exactly midnight and um the other problem i was having was the phone i had for uh, i bought like an a new unlocked phone from best buy the year prior um and it had worked fine on all of my trips but for whatever reason it still had T-Mobile software on it, and it, it decided to lock my phone as soon as I went over to Europe, so my SIM card oh my wasn't working, and I had no phone service the entire trip. So now I was it was 3 o'clock in the morning in an unfamiliar city. Uh, there was zero transportation options. I had no Wi-Fi, and I did not know where my hotel was. So I had to walk for two hours in the middle of the night in Rome uh, to get back to my hotel before I finally found it, and that was that was not fun. Um, I also missed my flight to Berlin because um, I, I showed up three hours before my flight and the security line was eight hours long. 
But besides that, oh. it was uh, overall it was a pretty good trip. I would definitely go back. Just not, I would not go to Rome in the summertime because that humidity is deadly. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. One word to describe that would be adventure. Definitely sounds like an adventure. Oh, it definitely was an adventure. I, I was in the moment. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I could have because I was stressing over a lot of the factors. Like I wasn't able to go to Vatican city because I uh, couldn't find the exact location to meet for the tour because again, I had no phone service just kind of uh, small stuff like that. But looking back, I definitely enjoyed my time there and I would definitely go back. I am going back uh, to Europe this summer, but um, it was, it was an adventure. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, what, um, what, what's your method for finding flights? Um, so if you go on Google and you just search for, um, search for flights, uh, to specific cities, you could bring up a graph, uh, that shows you what days are the best, uh, price wise. And what I usually do is I'll, um, I, I like to look on like a Tuesday morning before lunchtime. I've heard that's like the best time to uh, look for flights. And I also use a, a VPN so it, uh, it doesn't track uh, my, my browsing history or anything like that, just because that does have an effect on flight prices. Um, so yes. I'll use like a, a, clear, a cleared browser, a VPN, and I'll book on like a Tuesday morning. Uh, and I'll cross-reference a bunch of cities and a bunch of different dates to figure out what is the best price-wise. And then once I have that figured out, um, I put in for my time off. Uh, I, I usually put it out in about um, eight or nine months before my trip. And once that's approved, I book my tickets. Awesome. Yeah, my method is pretty similar. I usually go with Google Flights. You know, it's, it's great to see how you can compare all the airlines. You can see when the cheapest flights are available. That's how I booked our tickets, actually. I'm not. We're not even flying out of... Portland, we're actually flying out of Las Vegas because I noticed that Las Vegas is a, a really good hub just to find cheap flights because they want people coming in and out. So I ended up finding our tickets. They might be this price still, but um, for Bogota um, with Viva Aerobus, which is a Mexican Airlines, I believe, um, our tickets from Las Vegas to Mexico City, from Mexico City to Bogota were under 100, under 100 bucks. It's amazing how cheap Mexican Airlines are compared to uh, U.S. Airlines, and I've flown a couple of Mexican Airlines, and I would honestly say they're better <laughs> than American Airlines. Yeah, the service is usually pretty good, you know, and it people, you know, I think nag a lot on, you know, uh, airlines like Polaris, but you know, I think I'd say they're I'd say they're better than Spirit, honestly. Oh, you know, definitely. The ones that we have here. Yeah, they're definitely better than Spirit, and I, I tend to fly United, which uh, is a pretty good airline, but yeah. like. If I had the option of flying a Mexican airline or flying Southwest, I would always choose the Mexican airline. For sure, same here. <laughs> uh, is Volaris your your go to airline usually? Yeah, um, Volaris. I usually for Mexico, it's probably one of the better options. I do have I do fly a lot with Delta, and I do have a lot of Sky Miles with Delta, um, but I tend to prefer flying with Volaris, even though I can get pretty good deals with, with Delta as well, just because that um, there aren't many options leaving Portland to get to Guadalajara. And usually when you do, they're all, you know, connections to some places kind of out in the way. Like I've had to fly with Delta from Portland to Atlanta, Atlanta to Guadalajara, which is just, you know, a, a full day and a half. It seems like, yeah, exactly. Very out of the way. 
Um, so Volaris actually is the only airlines that flies directly from Portland to Guadalajara. So that's usually our number one option. We just want to make it, you know, we usually when I go to Mexico, it's, a, it's another long day once I get to Guadalajara because I'm usually not in Guadalajara. Um, so I try to go with Polaris and if you find, if you like book tickets ahead of time, you can get really good deals. Like I actually just posted a video on TikTok a couple of days ago, but there's a promotion going on that lasted for a couple of days and they have tickets for as low as, you know, $45 from Portland to, to Guadalajara, which is cheaper than a pair of shoes nowadays. Yeah. I saw your video on that the other day yeah. and I almost bought these, uh, these tickets. I ended up waiting, but I'm planning on going to uh, Dia de la Independencia in Mexico city next year. Oh, nice. Uh, and I was looking at, uh, Valerius and I found a flight from Mexicali to, uh, Mexico city for like 35 bucks. Which, nice. Uh, I haven't flown out of Mexicali yet, but I always check prices from there just cause once you're actually in Mexico, the price to get from city to city is cheaper than flying internationally oh, way, way cheaper yeah yeah and Mikey kelly is only like four hours from where i live so i could drive down there leave my car there and catch like a two or three hour flight not bad yeah we've talked about eventually either moving for like south or closer to the border or maybe just moving to mexico and that would be awesome if we could make that work but we'll see it would be nice to be closer to mexico honestly because she definitely misses it, and I, I miss it, too. It's definitely nice being really close to Mexico, because, of course, I could just take a quick drive and be there, but also there's a ton of cultural influences here in Arizona. Um, I grew up in a small mining town uh, in eastern Arizona that has um, some of the best Mexican food I've had in the United States. Um, and I, I still go back for it all the time, but there's tons of great Mexican food out here. There's a lot of great Mexican influences here in Arizona. Um, so yeah, living to the board and close to the board is pretty cool. For sure. And, and you already have your ties here in Arizona with Arizona state university. So maybe you guys yeah. end up out here. Yeah, for sure. And I've got, I've got family down in Phoenix too. So oh, nice. definitely have a reason to, to be down there. Dimers does prefer the sunshine. We, it's pretty cold here. And I want to say in, in Portland, it's probably in the forties right now. Pretty, pretty miserable weather. I mean, nothing. Nothing pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cold here today, too. It's uh, 73. 73, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for me, is pretty cold. That, yeah. Yeah, but, like, last night it got down into the 50s, and I was, I was freezing. 50s? I, I can't handle that. <laughs> that's got to that's gotta be, like, not even the high here. It's got to be, yeah. The weather just kind of... It's, it's funny, because the, the weather here changes so much. Um, like I was in, um, we had a really, we had like an Indian summer this year. And when I left, when I had left to Nepal, um, I left to like really warm weather. It was probably in the seventies here, seventies here actually in October, which is strange uh, for Portland. And I came back and it was just like freezing at night, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I saw, I saw a TikTok the other day. It was, some um, somebody from Minnesota making fun of ASU students for wearing like sweatpants and sweatshirts when it was like 75 out um but but i always think it's funny because those people uh like they could always take uh handle the cold i'd like to see them handle a 120 degree day oh yeah no it's it's funny actually i i have people here i know that don't really leave oregon and it's about 70 and they're inside they won't they won't even go outside <laughs> kind of sad actually 
Yeah, but Oregon's a beautiful place. What's your favorite part about Oregon? It is. Um, you know, there's a lot. The cool thing about Oregon is it is a very, you know, diverse state. There's so many different kind of landscapes. I mean, we've got ocean, we've got mountains, um, desert, a little bit of everything, you know, and, um, and a lot of rain, that's for sure, on top of that. But um, it is a really beautiful state. I think the hard part about it is just getting like about eight months, you know, of rain throughout a year. It definitely takes a toll on you, I'd say. So from my it perspective, definitely gives that us... sounds amazing. I would love eight months yeah. of rainfall a year versus just like I don't I don't even know how many days it it's been <laughs> since it rained. It's only That's been a few funny. weeks, but it feels like forever. That's funny. Yeah, I, the the one pro about having rain is I'm able I'm able to get a lot of work done. For me, like when we have one sunny nice day here, I'm just distracted. I just want to be outside because it's just so rare here. So that's definitely a funny perspective. So for people who are looking to take a trip to Oregon, uh, what would you recommend for an itinerary? Yeah, you know, um, this sounds kind of funny. I actually recommend, um, I have to really think about it because as funny as it sounds, I don't actually do much around Oregon. I, I go to Washington a lot. My dad actually lives in Washington. And I've, got, I've actually got more family in Washington, I'd say. Um, but Oregon, there's a decent amount to do. I mean, like, you can do all the, the weird tour. Like, Portland's known as, you know, a weird city, but you can go out and try some weird weird food. Voodoo Donuts, we've got Voodoo Donuts here. That's about it in terms of food. Um, the coast is beautiful. Of course, the water is cold. I took Dime Race out to uh, Pacific City, which is uh, about a two and a half, two and a half hour drive from Portland, I want to say a month and a half ago. And she enjoyed it. There's a lot of sand dunes, but it was definitely a uh, culture shock for her seeing a beach that cold. <laughs> cold beaches are something I'll never get used to. Yeah, it's it's not the same when you're spoiled by Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had family, I have family that lives on the central coast of California and, um, they live near this beach called Avila beach and they like going there because it's South facing, but even being South facing the water of the, the, the Pacific, it's just so cold. I can't, I, I can't handle it. It's like compared to beaches in Mexico, I've only been to, uh, Mar de Cortez in, in Mexico, uh-huh. but the Mar de Cortez, cause all the water is, uh, north flowing and it's kind of um, uh, it doesn't you don't get the cold waters from the Arctic it's just such a stark difference from anything you'll find anywhere in California no it is it's it's really nice it's actually I want to say it's warmer than the water in Vallarta which I kind of found surprising which you know Vallarta's way south of uh, Cabo yeah um, I, I think it's probably because you get a bit more of the Pacific influences from um, in, in Puerto Vallarta because uh, right. Right, right where Cabo is and everything north of Cabo along the, the Sea of Cortez, uh, all the water is uh, north flowing coming from the equator. So it's going to be a bit right, more. Yeah. Plus you're kind of facing inward, I guess. And even though there's uh, latitude wise, uh, there's only like a 50 mile difference. The waters of the northern Mar de Cortez are just so much warmer than you would find in San Diego. Oh, yeah. For sure, yeah. I I don't think I've ever swam in that part of the U.S., and I, I don't think I ever will, honestly. It looks pretty. It's nice to look at, but it definitely is too cold even for my liking. 
San Diego isn't the worst. Like uh, Coronado Island, uh, right next to uh, like the military base, the the water's fairly nice. It's not too rough. Um, but besides that, pretty much everywhere else in California, it's either way too polluted or it's too cold. Right. Do you watch soccer? Uh, you know I don't, but I've I've actually been asked if I've you know I'm watching the World Cup and. We probably won't be. We're, we're kind of busy the next little bit, but uh, we're definitely in route for Mexico, you know. Do you think they got a chance this year? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's always going to be a chance. I think they, they do have a chance, but, you know, I don't really pay t- attention much to soccer. Um, I, I'm actually more of a basketball guy. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny. Uh, but I actually was in Doha um, for, well, actually on the way to Kathmandu and on the way back. And it was pretty cool to see all the World Cup stuff they were advertising there. Yeah, that is really cool. I uh, I do feel bad for Mexico uh, this uh, World Cup, though, because they're uh, gripped with Argentina, which... Um, oh, yeah, shoot, yeah. And yeah they're probably yeah. screwed. <laughs> Argentina has won something like 26 straight games or something right. like that. It's like, Mexico could still come out of that group, but it's it's not going to be easy with Argentina. There. No, it's, no, it's not. One thing that's really cool about soccer is it it's cool to see kind of just other parts of the world kind of connect on one thing. You know, it's such an international sport. So it's, I've been seeing kind of videos too on the internet of just people of different cultures kind of, you know, uh, like a lot of people in Mexico are going, you know, out to uh, Doha and they're doing like, they're showing like locals kind of like their dances and things they do there. It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad the U.S. is finally starting to warm up to it because there's, in general, nothing beats camaraderie, and I feel like internationally, nothing brings more camaraderie than, than football. Oh, 100%. It's like the one thing people can agree on. Right. Yeah, it's actually, you know, just sports in general, is, it's a great way to kind of connect with people. Like, I've, I've met a lot of people in Mexico, actually, even before I, I spoke, um, spoke much Spanish. I've played for a decent amount of basketball teams, actually, in um, in Mexico. And I've made a lot of um, lifetime friends that way. Oh, that's cool. Is, is, yeah. me- is basketball pretty big in Mexico? Um, you know, I it's definitely not going to be as big as soccer, but I was surprised to see how big it was um, in Mexico. And it kind of depends on the region, but you could definitely find it. Like Just kind of like here, like you, you can walk in a neighborhood and find a basketball court, and you, you'll see someone playing. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. I, I would have never thought as uh, of basketball as being popular in Mexico, but it does make sense. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty cool. And a lot of them uh, are huge NBA fans, too, which is pretty awesome. You know, they talk about, you know, they'll talk about like the main, the main players, like, you know, like the Curry, the LeBron, KD. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess that you're a Trailblazers fan. I am, you know. Um, it's been unfortunate the last couple of years, but they're doing pretty good this year. Yeah, they've um, gotten off to a pretty hot, hot start. Yeah. Are you a Suns fan? Yes, I am. Which, yeah. it's okay. been a couple of years of heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, oh man, yeah. Was it a couple, was it last year or no? How many years ago were they in the finals? Uh, that was 2021. That was 2021. Was that in the bubble? I can't even remember. No, that was the year after the no, bubble. They made right, it to yeah. the finals against the Bucks, And then last year they lost game seven in the semifinals to the Mavs. Oh, that's right, yeah. It, they looked horrible. I'm ashamed <laughs> to be a Suns fan after that Game 7, but that's they're doing funny. pretty good this year. Yeah, I'm a Booker fan for sure. He's 
he definitely has that kind of Kobe-esque, you know. Yeah, he's he's very underrated on a national scale. But yeah. um, I just saw in the news today that him and Kendall broke up. I saw that too. It was pretty funny. Yeah. I definitely wasn't expecting to see that today, but I figured yeah. it was kind of headed that way. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Especially with those, those Hollywood relationships. Have you tried the, the Kindle Jenner tequila? No, I had no idea she even had tequila. It's not great. It's very it's very sticky, which is not the texture you're supposed to have with tequila. It's um, If you're somebody who doesn't enjoy tequila, you might enjoy it like it'd probably pair well in a margarita but besides that if you if you really enjoy tequila i would not recommend the kindle jenner tequila especially when you should be um supporting local distilleries instead of like the big celebrities that is kind of funny you know i might have to uh make a video on that and just kind of t- talk trash about it maybe have Damaris try it that's pretty funny yeah you should definitely have her try it. you should have her try this tequila that we yeah that we got today too for sure yeah yeah. I think she'll like it. I think she will too. We'll it's, it's a really yeah. good tequila. Um, the other bottle I have sitting over here that I'm looking at, I, last time I was in Cabo, I bought um, a 36-year uh, a uh, Añejo from uh, Don Gilberto, which is uh-huh. uh, brewed by the Don Callejo family, which is actually a distillery I've been to. Uh, and it's a small batch, aged for 36 years in a uh, oak whiskey barrel. And it's some of the best tequila I've ever had. It doesn't have a strong um, sweet flavor to it like a lot of Añejos might, but it's still really good. It's very smooth. Okay. And that one was about 1,900 pesos, so I overpaid a bit for it, but it was worth it. <laughs> it's not bad. Did you Have you ever been to uh, tequila in Mexico? I have, yeah. I had a blast down there. Um, I, like I said, I've been to the Don Callejo distillery, and there yeah. is one more distillery I've been to, which I can't recall the name right now. But I think the most surprising part for me, well, learning about the whole distillation process was really cool where you have the the blue pineapples, which get roasted and shredded and fermented. Um, but the, the non-tequila products uh, that were made from agave, those were, those were really cool because you had like the agave syrups and the agave honeys. Right. Um, the agave beer was really good. It tasted like cream soda. Um, but then there's also like different flavored tequilas, which I would have never thought of. Like uh, I'm not personally a fan of tomato juice but i tried a tomato juice flavored tequila that was really good there was an almond there's an almond tequila that tasted like bailey's uh there's like a lemon lime tequila and like a coffee tequila and they're actually all pretty good interesting have you been down there i have yeah i haven't done the whole i've mainly passed by it um but i definitely want to make that a trip with dimers here hopefully um, our plan is after our, our big trip throughout South America, and hopefully we're going to stop in Guatemala too because I've never been there, but I've wanted to go there for a while. Um, we want to spend a good at least month in Mexico just to kind of connect again with our family and just ex- explore other parts we haven't really spent much time in. And it's been really weird because, you know, we both, you know, um, like I would, be, I would be working and in school and she was in school, but now we're married we probably won't be working and we'll probably just travel. We'll have a lot more freedom to kind of just do what we want. That's awesome. But it is surprising that having spent so much time in Jalisco that you guys haven't really done that tour yet. I know it's, it's kind of a, (laughs) kind of a disappointment, but we'll, we'll make it happen for sure. 
I wouldn't recommend the big ones uh, as much as I would the smaller ones. How I booked mine was I booked an Airbnb and the rental company mm. set me up with a company they're partnered with that uh, toured two of the smaller distilleries. Because the big one everybody always done is, does is the Don Julio train, which uh, there's nothing right. wrong with it, but it's compared to the smaller families that have been making it for centuries, Don Julio is, is, is such a giant down there. And it's, it's definitely oh, more sure. expensive, but it also... Um, let me think is the best way to word this. The, yeah. They're not the they're not the best tasting tequila. I feel like there's a lot better tequilas made by smaller families that deserve recognition. For sure. Yeah, it'd be cool to support like those local local mom and pop shops. Yeah, especially down in Mexico, supporting small businesses is always the way to go because I feel like the small businesses always have the better uh, quality of product. Oh, they do 100%. You know, it's a good way to to make, you know, make friends as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, surprisingly, the best Chinese food I've ever had was from a small mom and pop shop in Chinatown in Mexico City. Really? Yes. That is so interesting. And when, when I was in Mexico City and we came across it, it never even crossed my mind that there would be a Chinatown in Mexico City, but it does make a lot of sense. But <laughs> I was interested to see what Chinese-Mexican fusion would taste like, and it was pleasantly surprising it was it was really good they didn't quite understand my accent though because when i ordered dos Equis, they brought me um distilled rice liquor but besides <laughs> that besides that it was pretty good that's awesome yeah it's funny because since starmers has been in the u.s one of her go-to like favorite foods is just american chinese food she loves it she can't get enough of it here and we've had it a lot in mexico too but it, it's good but it's just different for sure oh yeah it's it's, it's very different i had actually um have you ever you've heard of the town of Mexicali, right? Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of people that say um, Mexicali has some of the best Chinese food in all of North America, and that's because after um, after uh, the Chinese workers were brought over to build the the railroad and kind of cast out of society, a lot of them migrated south. Um, but then we're also met with very hostile and racist people in Mexico, so they're kind of forced into the middle of the desert. And they, they uh, uh, kind of adopted the town of Mexicali. And there's a ton of um, Chinese restaurants in, in Mexicali, whereas if you were to go to uh, a more traditional uh, Mexican town, you would find a taco shop on every corner. Well, Mexicali has a Chinese food restaurant uh, around every corner. And they're all underground because uh, they were built uh, below uh, the earth to try to escape from the heat. So they're, they're literally wow, underground. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance yeah. to try any of them yet, but I, I feel like that would be a cool adventure to go on. Yeah. You know, there's so many, there's so many places in Mexico. That's the awesome thing about it. I mean, it's so close from us, but it's like another world when you go down there and there's so many different places. I've actually been in more States in Mexico than I have in the U S which Mexican <laughs> States have you been to? Oh, you know what? Let me pull up a map, a map real quick. <laughs> you don't have all 32 kinda, memorized. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. See. I think I've been to five or six because I've been to uh, five or six. Okay. Baja California, Baja California Sur, Sonora, Jalisco, and uh, Mexico. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've been to, we'll start with Baja California, Baja California Sur. Um, I've been to Sinaloa. Um, I've been to Sonora. I've been to Jalisco, Colima, uh, Michoacan. I've never been to Guanajuato, but we're going to. Hopefully make a trip down there too. When we go down, I haven't 
I haven't actually counted. <laughs> um, Chiapas. Never been to Oaxaca. We're definitely going to go to Oaxaca when I go back. Um, Michoacan, Colima, Guerrero, been there. So I've been to a decent amount of states. There's some parts I haven't been to, like I've never been to Monterrey. I actually met a guy, in, um, he's a new friend of mine in Nepal. This guy was traveling by himself. He's from a, pretty young, he's like 20 years old, but he um, was from Mexico and he traveled to go to Everspace Camp by himself. It was super cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I met him in one of the tea houses actually in, in the, you know, in Nepal. It was, it was amazing. There's definitely a few more Mexican states I want to go to. I want to go to all of them, of course, but um, the ones I have uh, tentative plans for is I like to um, I like to uh, go to as many places as possible when I uh, when I make a trip. So I like to like do pairings. So like when I go to Yucatan, I'll go to Belize as well. Or when I go to Chiapas, I'll go to Guatemala. Uh, but I'm also going to uh, Nuevo Leon uh, because I'm going to go see a World Cup game in Monterrey in 2026. Oh, awesome. Chiapas was, um, we actually went in January and that was an amazing trip. I, I actually ended up buying the tickets cause I was going down there and we had a couple extra free days and she didn't have school. And, um, I found like really cheap tickets from Guadalajara. I think they were like 30, 30 bucks round trip from Guadalajara to Chiapas and back. So we ended up flying to Chiapas and I was amazed by the whole, the Canyon, the Canyon del Sumidero. Probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, and I, I want to go back. You'll have to check it out when you go down there. Yeah, and it, it is really close amazing. To, I, have a, I have a friend that lives down there, um, and she was always sending me photos of different places down there, and it looks amazing. Yeah, people there are really nice. Um, you definitely get that. It's so close to Guatemala, you get that kind of influence, a lot of this like similar culture. Um, but we were only there for a couple of days. I want to say three days. So we definitely want to spend more time down there. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need, though, is to get a good feel of the places a couple of days. Um, and that's, sure. that's usually what I like to do when traveling is I'll stop by some places, get the, stay there for a couple of days, um, and then go back at some point so I'm, I'm, I'm more familiar with the place. For sure. Yeah. Sometimes it would be nice to just slow down and... Uh, just a, a really enjoy a place, but I, I've never really taken any trips like that where I, I'm in one place for a long time. I, I like to hop around a lot. Yeah, same. I haven't, I haven't in a while. It's been, it's been a while where I've just kind of, you know, I have, I've had too many constraints with like, with work and just with school. So I'm really excited for our next trip. We, we don't really have anything like set yet, but it'll be kind of nice to just kind of just decide where we want to kind of settle for like a, at least a couple of weeks and just kind of just chill. We'll be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, probably awesome, in bro. yeah definitely in Colombia and you know places in Mexico too so what's helped you the most I, I can tell like with your pronunciation you've definitely tried to like work on your Spanish which is awesome I think a lot of something that's kind of sad for me is I see a lot of um, Americans just go to Mexico and they just expect everything to be like it is in America you know everything to kind of be catered towards them so I think it's really cool that you know I think it's really cool to like try to to go out and try to learn the language. Um, how long have you been like practicing Spanish or speaking Spanish? Um, I would say I first really started, got introduced to the language um, when I had my first college girlfriend who was from Colombia. Oh. Um, 
uh, between that relationship and traveling to Mexico a lot. That was kind of my introduction to the language. Um, I'm currently uh, enrolled at a community college taking Spanish 102. Um, I've spent a lot of time on uh, on Duolingo, and um, okay. I also have this uh, Spanish tutoring service that I'm enrolled in, and that's been helping me. But I feel like the biggest thing that's helped me is spending time talking to native speakers. Um, that it's kind of given me a, uh, even though I don't have the greatest ear for Spanish, it's really given me a good understanding of the basic uh, structure of the language, which I feel like has helped me in learning. And I, I still have a long way to go, but um, I, I'm practicing every day and I, I really want to be fluent because uh, for my career, what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to be a journalist that focuses on Latin America and especially uh, travel journalism, not, not so much like tourist based, but more, uh, focusing on uh, appreciating and understanding the culture of Latin America, especially Mexico, and I want to live in Mexico City. Um, so fluency in Spanish is a top priority for me right now. For sure. And I, I totally agree. Um, speaking with native speakers, based on my own experience, is the best way to learn. Um, and as well, like Duolingo, too, it's a good way to kind of, you know, figure out the structures and, um, yeah, just kind of making, kind of having like a switch, you know, I think for me, like, um, I want to say, so actually my, my first job was working at Sears. I don't even think they exist anymore, really. But um, it was in high school, and I actually um, decided to quit after saving a decent amount of money to spend six months with Domers in Mexico. So I spent about six months in Mexico, and my Spanish in, like improved so much during those six months. I came back to the U.S., and I could barely understand my parents. It's one of the weirdest things. And I like, it's weird because one day you kind of wake up and you have a dream in Spanish. You, you start talking to yourself in Spanish, just little things like that. It's just, it's crazy, you know, how much being in another, in another culture just affects you. That sounds really creepy. You. I haven't had those experiences yeah. quite yet, but I'm, I'm hoping to get there one day. Um, I haven't, I haven't touched Duolingo in a few months, but I'm interested to see what it's like now that I've had a semester and a half of college level Spanish. Um, so I've been meaning to get back uh, on that yeah. just to see, just kind of track my own progress. Um, right. Yeah, I did I did Duolingo for, I, I did it for a little bit in Spanish, but I actually did it for, I want to say like 200 and something cons consecutive days. Oh, wow. Um, in Portuguese. Yeah, so my, my Portuguese is actually pretty good. I've talked to, I've spoken to a lot of people in Portuguese. Um, surprisingly, there were a lot of Brazilian people in Nepal, so I actually spoke to a lot of them in Portuguese, which is pretty cool. And it's so similar to Spanish too. Different, but sim you know, similar, but different. Yeah, I, from the, the small amount I've seen of Portuguese, it, it kind of trips me up because I'm way more familiar with Spanish. So I try to read it as if I'm reading Spanish and just nothing makes right. sense. That's the hard part is the pronunciation's very, very off. Yeah, I, I would say I'm pretty decent at reading Spanish, but that's the only, the only place I really... Um, thrive right now because I, I need to work on my own speaking I, I think I, I've got the pronunciation down pretty well mm -hmm. uh, but I gotta work on my vocabulary uh, speaking on the spot uh, is always difficult because I if I write something down I feel like it, it comes naturally like oh I can write down a sentence but if I try to speak that sentence without writing it down I just always draw a blank and the same with listening I'll hear somebody speaking Spanish and I'll just like pick up none of it but if they write down the right. same thing it's like oh it makes sense now so what uh, what part of Colombia are you going to? I, I'm flying into Bogota. 
Bogota, nice. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I also yeah. want to go to Medellin and Cartagena, uh, but mm-hmm. this trip is just uh, Bogota. I, I don't know why, but I tend to um, favor capital cities. Uh, when when I travel, I, I've been every country I've been to so far. I've been to the capital city. Yeah, I mean, usually it makes sense because I feel like I get the best deals out of the. You know, there's so much to do, and you can go. It's pretty cheap to go to other places from there. Yeah, the first time I went, well, when I went to Colombia, I flew into Cartagena. Somehow, I found like the cheapest. Well, actually, no, I, I redeemed it with miles, and uh, very interesting, very very cool city for sure. Um, it's funny though, but like in, in Bogota, Medellin, Medellin, um, I was surprised by how clear they, their Spanish is compared to Mexican Spanish. Very different. Oh yeah. Mexican Spanish is very, um, the way I've heard people describe it is it's the similar, uh, similar to like uh, a Southern accent in, uh, in the United States is it's, it's very different. Exactly. You can kind of understand what people are saying, but at the same time you get really confused. Um, it and is. then like Argentina is like uh, like a northeast oh, accent, um, whereas like more middle of Central America, especially Colombia, would be like a west coast accent where you, you could just completely understand what everybody's saying. One hundred percent, yep. And it's funny too because uh, by the time my Spanish got pretty fluent, I felt pretty confident in it. But as soon as I would go to my my wife's ranch where her family lives, it was like learning a whole another language because I could not understand one thing they were saying. It's a, uh, it's very different. Like the ranch, the ranch way, you know, just like the little, little dialects in their words. Uh, a friend I'm talking to right now, um, uh, her grandma speaks a Aztec dialect. She actually doesn't speak, um, Spanish at all. It's called, uh, Winwit, Winwit, uh-huh. something like that. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah. Cause she's from think... Ildago. Oh, okay. And I guess it's more commonly spoken down there. It's not like widespread, but uh, multiple yeah. people in her so family speak that. So it's like Al, like Aztec or Almec, one of those. Yeah, I, I forget. I always forget how to pronounce it. It's like uh, Winwu or something like that. It's like N A U I, something like that. But hear, hearing people speak that because I've seen videos and stuff, it, that's very trippy as well. Uh, that's something that until I was introduced to the concept, that's something uh, I would have never thought of was um, people living in Mexico don't speak Spanish and just speak Dutch. Yeah, you, you know, I I was surprised by that. Like, even in, you see it a little bit in the Yucatan, but it's very, you know, very touristy. So a lot of, you know, a lot of Spanish and a lot of English, of course. Um, but in Chiapas, a lot of people, like in, in the parks and like the uh, plazas, a lot of them were, weren't speaking Spanish. A lot of it was like, you know, like the, the native dialects was, was cool. Um, like, like the people that kind of go up to you, like the vendors and like the, the kids that try to sell you like the, the candy or bracelets, um, they were all speaking like, I forgot what language it was, but it was um, similar. Yeah, it, it's really cool that some of those languages are still surviving because if there wasn't people still speaking them, then they would just die off like a bunch of other international dialects have. So I, I, hope, right. I do hope they keep going. They're really cool. For sure. I... I actually grew up speaking a little uh, Thai in the ocean, but my mom, uh, because she hasn't gone back to, to Thailand since she came here, she kind of stopped speaking it. She still can speak it, and she talks to her, like, mom, my grandma, like, entirely ocean, but she rarely speaks speaks it, and it's kind of sad because it's kind of, you know, faded on me. I don't really remember much entirely ocean, but I definitely want to relearn it and hopefully teach 
teach our kids one day. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Spanish, English, Tyler Ocean, and who knows what else. A young age is always the best time to learn a language, too. For sure. As your brain's still developing. For sure. Thanks for coming on today, Josiah. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, uh, before we wrap up, where can everybody find you online? Yeah, so you can find me. Uh, my Instagram is Josiah Van Hoy, and I post also videos on TikTok. Uh, my, my TikTok is Josiah Mexico. Uh, well, thanks for ha- uh, thanks for being on today, uh, Josiah. Um, right. Yeah, thanks for having me, Connor. Yeah. Uh, I hope we can meet up sometime in Phoenix, maybe after I graduate or who knows. <laughs> oh, definitely. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, well, if I'm going to be going to ASU starting in the spring and you're going to be coming down in the spring for graduation, I'll be right there anyway. Yeah. So we, we might as well meet up. And if you're in town, we could always do a uh, uh, in-person podcast session because I do have an extra microphone. 